This is a unique podcast exploring the criminal justice system and those involved and affected. We'll educate and expose the public as well as potential jurors to what takes place behind the scenes of those who are facing the system. Your host owns a litigation support firm called Justice Technology Professionals, and he works on criminal and civil cases offering support to defendants and counsel. What you're about to hear is an open dialogue opening the minds to the public to what takes place in reality as opposed to what you think takes place ladies and gentlemen welcome to the justice tech pros podcast here's your host dominic crea how are you listeners hope everybody's doing well today i want to talk about a couple things um, as it relates to, well, it's going to be a, a little bit of a variety of topics, but the first thing that jumps to mind, because it's been going on a lot on, on the YouTube channels, unfortunately, my firm has to listen to a lot of these podcasts from informants who testified on different cases, uh, whereas we represented a defendant, and, uh, you know, we have to keep tra- track and tabs on all those items, so... When you're listening to the different the different podcasts, you start to see the dynamic. And now, I don't know, there's like a whole informant war going on. It's actually pretty comical. You got like different informants fighting with each other. Who's a bigger informant? What always makes me laugh is when you have the informants calling each other rats. I don't know. I can't wrap my head around that. The, you know, you'll have one informant say, well, this guy's a rat. Meanwhile... That informant testified against somebody or proffered or did whatever. I just, I don't know. I can't wrap around, wrap my head around that logic. You know, um, I understand that. Like I always say, as far as my personal belief on informants, that's irrelevant. But what is kind of, not kind of, what is very hypocritical is when you have an informant calling another informant a rat. I can't relate to that. I don't even know what what kind of logic that is, but it's pretty funny. But the point of of my podcast isn't to get into that. I just wanted to share that because I found it entertaining. For those who follow, I guess they'll know what I'm talking about. You see all these different informant podcasts. They're all fighting and calling each other rats and junkies and all this. It's pretty comical. But um, there's one show that I got to say is pretty, that I find very entertaining. I can't remember the name name of it. I think it's called Mob Rats Exposed. And that's a pretty entertaining one because this guy just, <laughs> he basically just rips, he rips them all apart. And it reminds me of when I was younger, there used to be a show called Mystery Science Theater 3000. And it was like this guy with two puppets and he would watch an old like B-rated movie. They would all watch this old B-rated movie. And the camera would be behind them. You'd see their silhouette in front of the movie screen. And they would be commentating throughout the whole time of the moody movie. Making uh, funny remarks and things. That, it was just a funny thing to watch. It was a funny experience. And this guy's podcast channel reminds me of that. Uh, he basically plays all the different podcasts and ripped them up. And I just find it funny. What I find even more funny is a lot of... Uh, the uh, informants that he's ripping up, they get really twisted by it, you know, and they spiral on it. They make uh, remarks like they're being bullied or whatnot. And it's just funny in the sense that the tide's turned a little bit. You know, they've been on here 
for years, some of them, talking about families, talking about people, talking about defendants, just ripping people apart without any opposition, just free reign. And once they get a little taste of how that feels and how it works, they spiral. And I sit back and I'll be lying if I'm if I say a part of me doesn't uh, take a little bit of pleasure in that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's pretty funny for entertainment. If you get a chance, look that podcast up. But anyway, uh, what I wanted to get into had to do with in response to a lot of these informants being on podcasts. You know, they're coming out more and more. And I I did an episode a while back. I think it was episode 37, and it's called As Predicted. If you get a chance, listen to that. It'll give you a better understanding of what I'm going to talk about now. But one of the informants on uh, my father's case was this Frank Pesqua III. And they didn't release... He did a, uh, like an interview, I guess, on one of these other informants podcasts last summer, I think it was back in July 2020, and they recently just released it because it was, I guess it was outed uh, that uh, Jerry Capici wrote about it in that Gangland News, so then they, they put it up. But what's important, a couple things that I find interesting, and I'll leave it at that uh, for reasons, but I'll just say it's interesting from from my perspective and my view and what we'll be working on. There was a comment made that they were told not to release. I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing a bit. I don't remember exactly. I have I have the screen grab of the comment. But basically, the informant said they were told not to release or they weren't allowed to release that episode at the time. So I find that interesting because you have to go down the road of um, freedom of speech and who was telling them not to release it. So that... That's an avenue that'll be explored. But the other thing I noticed, which was interesting, and I want to um, address it and make something clear, because this informant, this Frank Pesqua III, was making comments to people who were doubting his tall tales. I mean, it was very obvious that the guy's just lying and he suffers from a truth-telling problem. And people who were doubting that, he kept citing, well, if you don't believe me, do a Freedom of Information Act pull, and you'll see what I'm saying is true. And I find that just completely ridiculous in this sense. If you ever notice when you're dealing with somebody who who is BSing or telling stories, they'll always try to give their story credibility by citing something that somebody may not really know how it works. You know, they'll try to get something that sounds credible, like the Freedom of Information Act, and they'll put it out there. Oh, if you pull it, you'll see I'm telling the truth. Now, the average person isn't going to take the time to pull, run a Freedom of Information Act and see. People really don't care about it. But by them saying that, you're going to gain some believers because the average person who is not a critical thinker will say, oh, well, he said that. It must be true. It's almost like a bluff because... It's irrelevant. A Freedom of Information Act pull has nine exemptions to it, which they're not addressing. And one of the exemptions is law enforcement records and law enforcement information. So let's go down that road a tad. Even if you pull a Freedom of Information Act, you're not going to get whatever law enforcement deems they don't want to release. So whatever you're trying to convince your listeners of your stories is fact. It's not going to show anything 
in this fantasy Freedom of Information Act pull that you think is going to list everything you're saying is accurate. It doesn't pull that information. Law enforcement information is exempt. It's one of the exemptions. And if you don't believe me, look it up. There's nine exemptions, and that's one of them. And the other item, when you pull a Freedom of Information Act for somebody else, they'll leave a lot out unless you have a written permission form that you submit along with the request. And again, you could look that up. It's right on the website. It even addresses that when you're pulling it on somebody else. You'll get a much clearer file when you get that person's permission. So they, they leave a lot of stuff out. So it's not to say that anybody could pull a Freedom of Information Act on anyone and get everything there is to get. There's going to be a lot of information left out based on the exemptions. So to try to use that to give your lies credibility, it just falls flat on its face from inception. It's, it's a nonsensical issue that you're trying to use to legitimize lies. And that is the problem right there. You know, you can't legitimize a lie. You know it's a lie. People who have a brain realize it's a lie. And here's the other problem with that that they all fail to mention. All of these informants were on cases where there's protective orders. Now, I spoke about protective orders. When they have the protective order on these cases, the defense, the defendant, they can't refute what these informants are saying because they're not allowed based on the rules of the protective order. Now, so many things that I hear personally, I could blow out of the water from a lot of these different informants on these podcasts that I dealt with directly and I, you know, uh, had the discovery on and all that, but I can't. My hands are tied because it's on a protective order. But don't forget, to give it a general view of it, and I'm not going to get into particulars because that's exactly what those listening would want, to say, oh, look, he broke the protective order, so I'm going to keep it general. In the discovery, you have to remember, you have audio files, you have phone calls, so when these informants talk to their, uh, whoever they're dealing with, if they have a girlfriend, if they have a wife, a lot of these calls are all within the discovery and under the protective order. So you see both sides. You see the informant who's working and is talking to their targets in one manner, and then you see what they're saying and they're confiding in to their girlfriend or their wife or the significant other, whoever it may be that they trust. So a lot of what they're saying is all exposed under the discovery. You're able to see all their lies. You're able to see the truths behind it. You're able to see who is it. A, a drug dealer, who is a drug addict, who is shooting up with heroin, who has uh, bipolar issues, so many things that you're able to see, but you can't you can't put it out there. You can't defend the defendant. You can't defend the case. You can't prove that somebody's lying because these items are under that protective order. And I don't have to tell the listeners who have common sense. They understand there's a reason they put it under protective order. Because they don't want these things getting out. They don't want the public knowing the type of informants that they're using to get a target. They don't want the public to see the character of those individuals that they're using. You know, you get you get to see uh, records, you get to see pictures, you get to see accusations of domestic violence, of... Uh, Anything that y you could see where they'll now go on these platforms and they'll lie about it. They'll say, oh, I never did this. I never hit a woman. I never did. But meanwhile, you're sitting on all of the information that proves they did do all those things. And everything that is surfacing from other areas is true. 
but you're not able to share that. You know, you're not able to uh, explain, well, you're lying again and here's why you're lying. Because I'm all about facts. I'm not about... When it comes to proving somebody wrong, I like facts. And I try to keep my personal opinion to myself and obviously to my friends and my family. I'll share it with them. But when I'm on here, I just try to go by the facts of it and what takes place. Now, obviously, to me, it's very simple to distinguish who's lying. It's not that complex as they made it. I just try to see, well, would they have to gain? Why would they lie? Why are they making up these lies? Oh, okay, they're trying to create a career for themselves. They're trying to be, you know, famous now on the Internet. They're trying to make money off of monetizing. They're trying to book big interviews. They're trying to get book deals. It's very commonsensical to me what their agenda is, what they have to gain, and what their motivational lie is. They don't want to go to jail. It's very simplistic. It's not as deep as a lot of these informants will try to make you believe it is, where they'll try to say, oh, well, I was made an informant. Or You can't be made an informant. It's just like anything else. Like, If you're a degenerate pedophile, you can't be made a pedophile. You're either born that way and should be dealt with from inception, or you're not born that way. Uh, you can't be made something that you're just not. So if you're informant, it was always inside you, and you just were waiting for the excuse to have it come out. So you can hang your hat on that excuse to try to give yourself leverage and to try to convince the public that you're really tough, but you're not an informant, but you had to inform because of X, Y, and Z. That's all that really is. That's just a game to try to convince yourself of something that maybe you didn't believe in years ago. And now you are that person. But that's only because you were born that way. An opportunity arose, whereas when the times were good, you were okay. But as soon as things got a little shaky, you had to switch gears and revert back to human nature that was instilled inside you. And that is to inform on others so you don't have to pay for your own sins. You could get a pass, somebody else goes away, and and you uh, go on to your lucrative career of podcasting and interviews and bragging how tough and crazy you are. And that's all that really is. Whether you agree with it or not, listeners, you know, that's that's irrelevant, but you just have to make sure you understand the angle, understand, understand the agenda, and understand the motives behind it. So you have a clear picture of why, if you do become a juror, why this person sitting in front of you decided to become an informant. And they're going to give you all kinds of excuses and they'll tell you they weren't an informant, they were made an informant because they had delusions of this going on, whatever the excuse may be. Somebody ratted on them, so then they ratted, you know. Again, they all like throwing the word rat around, which is hilarious to me. I don't know how they call each other that. They should pick another, something else to focus on because it's like the pot calling the kettle black on that one. So what's important is now, on the defense side, you have to follow these things as they play out because you're going to notice there'll be a lot of comments. And it's not easy to always keep up with the comments. You have to have a team. Myself, I allocate certain members of my team to focus on certain, say, podcasts, certain social media platforms, And anytime something pops up by an individual that could help our case, help a case I'm working on, help a colleague's case, I'll make sure they get a screen grab of those comments. 
uh, because don't kid yourself, those comments could come into play and they could help you defend it. And more often times than not, you'll notice a comment is made and then it's taken down for whatever reason, whether they're tipped off to take it down, whether a handler jumps in and tells them to take it down, whatever it may be, a lot of times the comments come and go. So you have to make sure you make those screen grabs, you know, just do a screen capture, grab it and save it. File it according to whatever it may be, the case or the informant, however you want to file it. And I spoke about this in the past. You build a database. You'll be able to use those things. You want to see the inconsistencies. You want to see the different statements they may have made now as opposed to when they were under oath. And then you got to talk to your defense team and see how you could utilize that to help you defend it. But it's very important to grab those things and to use them and to house them. And the same actually went for podcasts. There's a lot of podcasts that my firm personally grabbed that suddenly disappeared. I mean, it doesn't matter because we already grabbed them, downloaded them, did what we had to do where they could help our, our clients. But just always remember when they pop up, you want to grab them. Because if you don't, the odds are they are going to disappear if there is something in there that could potentially help a defendant or expose the truth or show the inconsistencies and the lies and the tall tales they're telling. And one thing that, on a human level, that is just unbelievable, um, I saw, you know, one of the, again, going back to that informant, that Frank the third. I guess now that the interview aired, he's trying to use that as an opportunity to talk about he was the craziest gangster in the world and Al Capone used to bow to him and, you know, um, Lucky Luciano used to kiss his ring and all these things. So I, I guess now, you know, he's, he's all over the map. But my point is where, you know, you could see, unfortunately, some of his comments I saw is his brother was getting involved and his brother's trying to defend his family because this this guy, this Frank Pesquale III was ripping his father apart, which is a whole nother dynamic. But you see the brother trying to intervene and trying to defend his family. And one can't help but just reflect on the damage a lot of these informants do, not only to the defendant. Forget about that for a minute. We already know if they're lying, they're doing a lot of damage to people that they just want to use as a scapegoat so they don't have to do any time. Forget about that aspect. Think about the damage they're doing to their families if you have members of your family, the hard workers, they're going to work every day, they're trying to do their thing, and then they have to read about people they care about getting destroyed in interviews and comments. I mean, it's it's absurd. It really is. And they're allowed free reign to do this. It's amazing that the government, the government just turns a blind eye to that, which isn't surprising. But now, let's switch gears. Imagine I came on here, and all I started doing was ripping apart, this is what I would do. If things were different and I didn't know that they would want me to do this so they could, you know, do whatever they have to do. But if I wasn't privy to that and I wasn't uh, sharp to that and knew how they would twist things, my approach would be this. I would go to all these different informants. I would track down their families, ex-wives, girlfriends, whatever. Anybody they screwed over, they lied to, they embarrassed, they defamed, and I would have a show with every one of their significant others, family members, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, I would have a show dedicated to that. And I would chime in, and I would 
ask them questions about them. I'd ask them about their personal lives. I'd ask them about what they did to them. Really expose who they are as a human being. Now, if I did that, there'd be all kinds of bells and whistles going off. It'd be utter chaos. But that would be the way to go. There's always going to be somebody within these people's lives who knows who they really are, who knows the type of person they are, who could vouch for the fact whether they're a piece of garbage or they're a good person. Either way, there's always going to be somebody. And now you're showing a different side to that coin because right now they're out there, they're on their self-proclaimed fame tours where they're doing interviews and doing podcasts and all you hear is the one side. You you only hear how crazy they are, how tough they are, who's like uh, El Chapo, who's uh, Pablo Escobar, all rolled into one, Lucky Luciano, Al Capone, all rolled up into one guy. That's what they are. Dealing hundreds of thousands of pounds of coke and kilo. I don't even know how it's weighed because I'm not a junkie. But however, dealing all this massive amount of of uh, drug deals and killing hundreds of guys and it's 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 comical to say the least. But the the regular member of the public, I guess they eat it up because they do get a lot of uh, you know subscribers. They get a lot of comments, people supporting them, so that the public eats it up, and listen, if that's how it goes, that's how it goes, there's different people on different sides of the fence in all areas of life, me, I just go by, I try to, especially when I'm on here, I won't use my uh, opinion to persuade anybody, I, I use that just to connect with the listeners, I explain where I'm coming from, I explain how I, how I view things. But I try to use factual backup to just show the other side of that. And here's a perfect example. Just look at it this way. You're only hearing one person talk, right? You're only hearing, and when you're hearing a few people talk, it's all informants with the same vested interest. They don't want to go to jail. So they're all going to support each other. I mean, outside of that whole (laughs) informant war thing that's going on now, the ones who get along, I should say, they're all going to support each other. They're going to back each other's lies up. And that's all you're hearing. So the member of the public who hears that, they believe it all. Now, if you start showing, imagine I was able to come on here, start playing tapes that are under protective order, start showing documents that are under protective order that contradict every single thing they're saying, that show the lies, that show what they're saying now completely is opposite of what they said under oath, what they said at the grand jury, what they said to get people indicted. Imagine I started exposing all of that. Okay, I'd have a problem, uh, legal-wise, I understand that. But my point is, the public now would have that moment where they say, well, look at this, everything this guy's saying isn't factual. Here's the evidence to support it. You would show another dynamic. Now, they know that can never be done. So what's a liar going to do? When a liar knows their lies are very hard to be outed, they're going to run rampant. They're going to go crazy with their stories. And that's basically what's going on now. They're just running around unchecked and uh, spitting out as much nonsense as they can to gain listeners, gain views, gain thumbs up. I know that's a big thing for them. They want those thumbs up. And that's that's what they do. You know, they'll... uh, Right now, it's uh, like the Wild West as far as lies and nonsense being spread. But the positive angle on all that is for those intelligent enough to sit back, take in the information and utilize it, good things could happen to those that they lied against, to the defendants they affected. 
It's a matter of, like I said, grabbing everything, compiling any, everything, and then utilizing it. One thing the public has to r remember, when somebody's a liar, they're going to do everything. They, they don't ever want to be outed as a liar because then obviously everything they've said is going to be called into question. So they're going to do everything they can to keep that lie going. They're not going to man up and concede, okay, I was BSing, sorry about that. I was talking nonsense. You know, that's not going to happen. So they're going to do everything. They're going to fight tooth and nail to keep those lies going. Now, the important thing is, whether you're on the defense team, whether you're just simply an intelligent juror, keep track of all those contradictions. Keep track of items, comments that are made. Keep track of things like that. Just pay attention. And for the public, where they're really not familiar, any listeners I have that aren't familiar with the, this realm and these podcasts, you don't really need to worry about that. The overall idea of what I'm trying to convey here is you have to make sure when you're analyzing somebody's ability to tell the truth and what their motivation is, just have a full picture of what their agenda could be, what they may have lined up for a possible career, capitalizing on being an informant. These are all things to keep in your mind. Now, I'm not saying to use that to... That's up to you how you want to use that information. If you want to use it to disregard what somebody's saying or take a closer look... But just be conscious of it. Just be aware of it. A lot of these jurors are completely unaware of what a, an informant looks to do once they're finished doing their job for the government and testifying on, on trials or even during you know, their, their testimony for various cases that may come up. They're trying to build a career based on their past life. And, you know, the public is fascinated with that. That's just how it goes between the movies, between people fascinated. You got websites putting up history and putting up news articles and news clips. People eat that up. They love that nonsense. That's just the way it goes. So the informants know that. They know they're going to be able to use that to get on interviews, to generate some money. Is it significant? I have no idea. I don't know what they can make on podcasting. I can't see that realm, to be honest with you, generating that much money. Uh, I think they fail to realize for the entire for the entire grasp of the content that's on YouTube, that whole arena, uh, informants, mob informants arena, is probably less than 0.00% of the content that's available and what people are looking for. So I don't know what that equates to money-wise, financially, how it monetizes, I don't know. But I guess that's that's what they want to do. You know, they want to they want to parlay that into interviews, into books and whatnot. So the public just needs to be aware of that and it's very important for the defense to to utilize everything that's out there now. It's not like you're going to be grasping at straws trying to paint this picture for a jury. You have a lot to work with. You have comments, arrogant comments made, conflicting stories in the comments, conflicting stories in the podcast. It's a matter of just keeping track and pulling up the sequence of events. Pull up stories that were told. Now, the defense could do this. You can't air it out there, but you could use it for the trial. Pull up what's told in the 302s. Pull up what's told in all the proffer sessions. Pull up whatever what was said during all these interviews and compare it to now. Compare to what they're talking about now. 
compared to how they're laying things out now, chain of events out, people's names now, see how it matches up. That's where you really start dissecting things. That's where you, you start to see the truth. You start to see the real picture. Listen to the phone calls where uh, some of these informants, I wish I could play these phone calls. I wish where they're talking to their, their uh, girlfriend and their wife at the same time and they're trying to impress people. Oh, I wish. Or, or videotapes of them getting arrested out in uh, Mississippi for drugs and then trying to make a deal uh, based on getting caught. I wish I could put this stuff out there. I wish I could show the public this kind of information. Then they would see, they would all be exposed. The ones that I dealt with directly on cases anyway would be exposed. And I'm sure other defense attorneys wish, I'm not an attorney, but defensive teams, and thankfully I'm not an attorney. I don't think I have the temperament for that. I wouldn't be able to handle certain things in the courtroom. I think I'd be uh, popping off too much. I'd probably be found in contempt a lot of times. I like to just support them, give them what they need to do their thing. But I'm sure... A lot of defense teams are honing in on this now and realizing this could be a good thing. You know, at first you look at it and you're like, oh, these guys, they're tormenting people, tormenting defendants, they're getting rich off of it. Put that aside. Start looking at what you could use, what you could use to help the defendants, what you could use to help if it's family members or help yourself if you are a defendant. Start looking at it from a different angle. Don't look at it at an angle that's, aggravating somebody, spreading lies about you, somebody telling stories. Don't look at it like that. Look at it. How can you use it? Start grabbing their comments. Start grabbing their their live chats. Grab those live chats. You, you could screen record that entire thing. Get all the comments that come up on the live chat. chat. Start going through it. There's a lot of stuff there. They go live on Instagram. Did several grabs of that where they go live on Instagram and they're spouting out, for, spouting out a lot of nonsense that completely contradicts things they said during their trial. So you have to grab all that stuff. It's a lot of stuff, don't get me wrong, but if you if you delegate to members of your team, you get a good system in place. My firm has a good system in place for all that. We have everybody has their assigned role. They know what they got to grab, they know what they got to focus on. We feed it all. I look at it, I house it, and then we use it as needed. Some you may not use, some you use, but it's important to grab it all. So I really just wanted to touch on that and how <clears throat> the protective order prevents a lot of these people from being uh, exposed for the lies that they are, and they know that. That's why they're able to talk in the way, the confidence they're able to talk it, because they can make outlandish claims like, oh, pull a FOIL request, you know, uh, Freedom of Information Act, to pull it. Okay, th that's irrelevant. That has nothing to do with, it's not going to tell me any of the stories you're telling there's going to be nothing in there that I could try to use to contradict because law enforcement's not going to give the record. So that's an irrelevant remark. You can't use these nonsensical things to give your story credibility. It's a lie, and you just can't use anything to support that. The other item I found funny, and it was on, again, one of the informant podcasts. I think it was the host of one of these informants. And he was making a remark about, like, uh, Mob Lives Matter, because there's a few websites, and I spoke about that Defendant Digest, uh, possibly what I put out. I don't know if he was trying to make a remark about what I talk about, but if he has something to say, he should have just came on my channel, said it directly, and I'll, I'll address it directly. But he made a comment about a Mob Lives Matter, trying to almost knock 
you know, it's a game they try to play the way they think they're smart, but they're not that smart. They're trying to put something out there to have the public say, oh, that's ridiculous. Mob lives don't matter. That's irrelevant. See, he, he must not either be intelligent enough to grasp the concept. The concept isn't about mob lives matter. What I'm trying to convey, and I know what other avenues are trying to convey, is I, I look at it very simplistic. If you believe in the justice system, the points I make here, if you're Italian, you get charged with RICO, okay, that's fine. You want to assume somebody's a member of organized crime, okay, that's fine. You want to assume they're guilty because they're a member of organized crime, okay. But that's not how the law works. That's all I'm trying to convey on this channel. If you believe in the justice system and you want to go by it, you can't just automatically say somebody's guilty because you believe they're a member of an organization. You just can't do that if you're being honest with yourself and if you want to follow the law. So it's not a matter of what mob lives matter and that nonsense where you're making a, a, a wisecrack to, to belittle the concept because either you don't understand it, you don't have the intellect to grasp it, or you just don't like the idea of the public gaining insight and gaining perspective that regardless if somebody's accused of being part of organized crime, they're still entitled to a fair trial, are they not? That's like saying if somebody's really racist on a jury, that jury member should be part of the panel because they think uh, all, all uh, black people are guilty, so it doesn't matter, I'm going to find them guilty. That's the same thing you're trying to use, the same mentality. So you believe racists should be part of the jury panel? You believe people who feel somebody is a tie in charge with RICO, they're guilty? Well, if you believe that, you got big problems. See me, I go by the law. I go by, I don't care what the person is charged with, I want to see the evidence on it. It's a juror's responsibility to make sure the, the defendant or the defendants in front of them are being charged with a crime where there's evidence to support that specific crime. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen a lot. The government knows that a lot of uh, people, maybe they just assume, well, if you're somehow linked to this organization, you're guilty. So they want that on the jury and they know that the evidence doesn't have to be that strong. Unfortunately, that plays out more times than not. The evidence may not be strong and the jurors find them guilty because of their preconceived notions and because of what they may have read on the internet. So they have them guilty and they're not really analyzing the facts of that particular case. They're more going by a reputation, what they read on the internet, what they're being accused of, uh, what organization they're supposedly a member of. That's what they're using to find guilt. And that's wrong. That's flawed. It's not how it's supposed to work. And that's really what made me want to start this podcast is I just want members of the public to understand that. And to just understand that if you, if you do get called to be a jury, you got to take that seriously and you really should be applying the law you shouldn't be applying your personal feelings you shouldn't be applying well you think they're guilty because they're being accused of being a member of a secret society and i don't i, I did a whole episode you have to remember and i don't think it's stressed enough and maybe people don't care it's not illegal to be a member of any secret society that's not illegal you have to be caught doing a criminal act within that organization so just being a member, even if you believe somebody's a 100% a member, that's not a crime. They have to do something. And when you're serving on the jury, you have to remind yourself of that. And you have to make sure, even if you don't like the person, you don't agree with the person, you got to make sure whatever charges are being brought against that individual are legitimate charges, whereas the evidence ties them to that crime.
Now, I don't know if I'm going to connect with people. I don't know if people are just going to blow that concept off and say, well, I'll still find people guilty. Listen, there's nothing I can do about that. But I'm just hoping my insight changes and at least exposes members of the public, potential jurors, to look at things from a different eye. It's not always as it seems. And you got to make sure you're practicing critical thinking skills when you're faced with these different podcasts, uh, different trials, different individuals. You just want to weigh the entire picture. When you're listening to these podcasts or you're listening to informants or whatever it may be, whereas they're benefiting off of their prior criminal career or prior whoever they were in their previous life, just look at all their actions. Those who are claiming they're helping kids and what, listen to what they're saying. It doesn't take a genius to figure out they're not helping anybody. There's no kids to be helped. It's complete nonsense. And I spoke about how it belittles those who are actually are helping people. You're belittling what they do by acting like going on a podcast is helping kids. It's not helping anybody. You're doing it to entertain. Be honest about it. You're doing it to entertain. You're doing it to make a buck. You're doing it to make a living. That's what you want to do for your career. Own up to it. Stop painting it as something it's not. And stop thinking that the public's stupid. I mean, maybe some people are, and those are the fans that you have. But most of the public see right through that. And... I think that's what's starting to happen because, as I said, you're getting a lot of these podcasts who are now ripping them up, and it, and it cracks me up. But for the defense team, for those who need this information, just heed my advice on this. Listen to what I'm saying. It, it's beneficial. It's time-consuming, yes, but it's very important to grab everything you can. There's been a lot of podcasts I grabbed behind-the-scenes episodes this, that went up quick and came right down. you got to grab them transcribe them, convert them, and have them. Screen captures, record these sessions, uh, record the video. You could record it right on your phone. You could do live recording. Just record everything that's on your phone. When they go live, that's how you record that. You got to get these things because there's going to be a slip-up. When somebody's lying all the time, they're going to slip up. It's going to happen. You just got to be there to grab it and then utilize it to help your defendant, to help your case, to help co-defendants, to help colleagues, whoever you could help with it, utilize it to help. Because, as I always say, you're up against a very strong entity. You're up against the government. They have endless endless pockets, endless resources, informants who will do whatever they tell them to do. So you got to counteract that. And the only way to counteract that is got to work together. you got to network with those who have a common goal, those who have defendants, those... You got to look to work with one another to expose what really goes on. That's important. Now, for some attorneys, that's easier said than done. <laughs> I notice uh, in my time in this industry, four plus years, I notice it doesn't always work that way. But that's how I work. I look to help whoever I can help. I look to get out there whatever I can get out there to help a case, to help get the truth out there. That's what's important. So, I mean, that's really what I wanted to um, focus on today. I wanted to put another spin on all the nonsense that's being put out there. And like I said, many times, trust me, I want to respond. I want to go on these channels and say my piece. When I see a lot of these informants that I know, I could completely expose every single lie they said. But I can't because I'm 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 handcuffed. I'm, I can't divulge information. But it's very frustrating. It takes a lot 
of restraint <laughs> to not go on there and really blow things out of the water. But a different story is now if they come on my channel and engage me, I'll more than happily respond. Now, obviously, I can't get into, as I said, things that I can't discuss, but I could, I could respond in ways that I know how to, to expose what I want to expose. Uh, and this way, nothing could be misinterpreted. Nobody could say I'm harassing anybody. Nobody could say I went on to intimidate anybody. Nobody could say that. So if you have something to say, here's my channel. Uh, again, all my information is everywhere. You Google my company. You get anything you want. But I'm going to keep doing my thing as far as exposing what I could expose. Try to inform the public the best I can. Try to show that there's always different sides to a story and to make people just take a step back and realize when you're listening to these tall tales, you're listening to all these lies, understand that's one side of the story you're getting without it being refuted in any way, debunked in any way. They're not hitting any kind of pushback. Even when they do these interviews, the way these interviewers gush over them and laugh at their stupid jokes and engage, and it's so pathetic. I mean, if you're a real interviewer, then do a real interview. Ask some questions that are hard. Ask some, bring up some of these contradictions. I mean, if you're going to go out there and just basically be an ass-kissing fest, then say what it is. You're just there because you're mesmerized and you want to kiss this person's ass. So, I mean, don't paint it that it's some kind of work of art that you're putting together in some groundbreaking podcast. It's not. It's nonsense. It's, it's people talking nonsense, telling stories, and kissing up to each other, and telling each other how tough they are and how crazy they are. And it's funny because if you listen to episode 37 as predicted, and then you watch, and I, I did that episode before the uh, podcast came out, and it's pretty funny because I predicted how it was going to come out. It's just a bunch of informants all bragging how crazy one another is, how much of a killer one another is, how they're the craziest gangster that ever walked the face of the earth. Nobody's as crazy as them. Everybody else is mutts. They're going to take everybody out. It's the funniest thing I have ever heard. It's Honestly. It's pretty, I was like Nostradamus the way I picked that. But the truth is, you don't got to be a psychic to predict somebody or a group of people who are very predictable by nature. Every action they take is predictable. Before they even do it, I can gauge what they're going to do, how they're going to respond, what they're going to say. They're just too predictable. Liars are always very predictable. When somebody has an agenda, they're a liar. They're so predict. they're transparent. It's like looking through a window. You know exactly what they're all about. Members of the public, some people don't, and they get fooled by it because they're not around it a lot. When you're around it and you see them, and you see them interact, you're able to gauge these type of, that type of character immediately. But they have, they have a lot of people fooled, and that's fine. That's how it goes. I'm not here for the people who are fooled. I really don't care. You want to be fooled, buy into it, subscribe, promote, buy merchandise. I know they're selling all kinds of crazy merchandise. So, you know, buy into it. Beautiful. You want to line their pockets? Hey, God bless you if that works for you. Me? I don't like when somebody tries to pull the wool over my eyes. So if I see what they're trying to do, I look to expose it. And I look to acknowledge it and make sure I uh, tell those that I want to inform about it as far as give them the information they need to, to then uh, draw a conclusion. You know, I'll tell them how I feel, my perspective, what I think is being done. And then it's up to them to decide how they conclude. All I could do is give, share my insight. And then that's an individual determination each person has to make what they feel they want to align with. 
So I'm going to keep doing my thing as best as I can until I get sick of it, to be honest with you, which may happen. I, 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 I'm, I'm known to do that. I get sick of something and then uh, I move on to the next thing. So <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how that how that plays out. But I'm as always, I'm getting good feedback. The um, advertising I've been doing on YouTube has been bringing a lot of subscribers. We're almost at 20,000 now. So the word's getting out there. I get a lot of emails to the office that my team will forward to me. And I thank you for that. I'm glad people find value in it. Uh, I know I got a few um, emails about people wanting to be on and talk about their story. I will get to those. Um, I didn't really start this podcast for that, to be honest with you. But I may I may go down that route. It depends. Uh, it depends on the topic. So I'll, I'll get to those. For those I haven't answered yet, I'll definitely get back to you on that. Um. And yeah, the only other uh, thing I'm debating, to be honest with you, and I'd have to see how to navigate it, is I like the idea of how all these informants, you know, they group together and they talk about people. I like the idea of getting the people or family members of the people that they somehow impacted, giving them a voice, giving them a platform. So I've had some interactions, uh, some people contacted me. So that's something I'm developing. I got I to gotta decide how I'm going to do that the right way so there's no issues for anybody and um, how I'd want to discuss it. But I, I, I would want to give, I'd want to give those who were desperately trying to get their voice heard where they're just getting bashed or they're, they're, they're seeing a family member get bashed. I want to give them a platform to respond to that. And again, I just want to do it my way and the, the right way that I'm comfortable with. So I, I got to think about that. But that's possibly something that's going to be changing in the channel. I, I may look to do that, give them a platform. I may not say much, to be honest with you. I may just let them talk because uh, that's their that's their piece. They want to air certain things. They want to clarify certain things going on. So I'm talking about that with a few, and I may uh, develop that further. So I'm just stand by for that. I'll, I'll advise what I'm going to do on that. But that is something that I think could be interesting, and I also think it could be informative and I think it could help those that possibly may one day face these lying individuals to have another side of that out there to have family members talking about what they've done to them what they've done to their family it could shed another light on uh, this this picture they're trying to paint of perfection and truth telling and turning our lives around and I was a bad person then I'm not a bad person now you may be able to show that's really not that accurate. You know, they're kind of selling you a little snake oil there. So that's something I'm developing. And uh, when the time is right, I have one episode uh, in mind that I, I may put out that relates to everything going on. So we'll, we'll see. But that's it for now. Uh, next time I have some items I want to talk about, I'll be on again. These episodes just come as I have the time. And as things pop into my head that I want to address. So that's what spurred this one. Take care until next time.
You've been listening to the Justice Tech Pros Podcast with Dominic Crea, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, discussing the obstacles the defense team faces when trying a case, what goes on behind the scenes during pretrial and motion phase, holding defense attorneys accountable, making sure they're fighting for their clients, the difference between textbook law and how things truly play out in a courtroom, and everything in between. And everything in between. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we'll be back soon until then find us on twitter facebook and instagram at justice tech pros to email the show with questions and comments it's podcast at justice tech pros.com till next time this is justice tech pros podcast and dominic crea signing off